Hi, I'm Ken Sandberg. And I'm Heather Michelle Lawler. Welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. Here we go. Again. <laughs> <laughs> of you watching the video. Ah, now we have bonus content. If you're you a Patreon patron if you're watching <laughs> this, but if so, you're listening, you should become one. <laughs> yeah, so for those of you watching the video, those are um, wild and crazy dance moves. Thank you. So welcome back. Uh, this is episode seven of Campfire Classics. Woo-hoo! We're going to read some more stories today. I get to read again. Yeah. I'm nervous. <laughs> Um, but as always, uh, there is a little bit of business to tend to first. Well, yes. Yeah, so we had our second cabaret. It was successful. It was great fun. You should go check out the video if you haven't watched it yet. It's on YouTube. Uh, go check out 5050 Arts Production on YouTube and you can watch it in four parts. And uh, yeah, we're pretty happy with how it's gone. And we raised quite a bit of money for uh, Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS. So yay. Yeah. Um, and we also have a song to sing this show. Yeah. So on, (laughs) on Patreon, if you become a patron, um, there are, as for those of you who don't know how Patreon works, if you become a patron, there are a bunch of different donation levels and depending on what level you donate at, you get different goodies, different prizes. So a couple episodes ago, we thanked our first three, uh, patrons, um, Eric, Catherine and Jeff, you know who you are. We're going to thank you again, even though we've already done it. But Eric, Catherine, Jeff, you're amazing. (laughs) Big. So big props to you guys. Uh, But we have uh, another uh, another patron to thank this time uh, coming in at the producer level. Our highest level right now. Our highest available level. um, My mother. Yay, Jamie. My mother, Jamie Sandberg. (laughs) And uh, as promised, at that level, one of the perks is a um, improvised on the air thank you song. Which is why we're videoing this. So we're videoing <laughs> this so that uh, people who get special features can actually watch us record this. <clears throat> I'm <Live> afraid. <laughs> on the air. This is a thank you song It won't be very long But we wanted to say A quick thank you This is a thank you song To Jamie Sandberg I call her mom She's our number one patron this week So thank you mom a thank you song for Jamie Sandberg Ken's mom (laughs) well that went better than I thought that actually went pretty good all right (laughs) we watched a lot of uh whose line is it anyway growing up apparently and you know you just gotta go with it (laughs) I guess so uh so a special thank you to Wayne Brady for those yeah Wayne Brady and that woman that was always on the piano mad improvisational musical skills Wayne Brady's the coolest (laughs) Um, 
I think that was our big business. That was our big business. So if you want a song about you, or if you want to just donate, like, $2 is our lowest. So what we've decided is our first 20 patrons, which right now we have four, um, our first 20 patrons will forever be known as our founding patrons. And you guys are going to get some super special perks once we hit 20. Um and we'll forever love you and you'll be on our website forever as our founders. So if you want to be a founding member of an arts like company, this is your chance. This is your chance. So. Um, also, uh, mom, if you're listening to this and you really should be, um, <laughs> one of the other perks we owe you is a brand new original song video or parody video. So um, let me know what you want us to do. Yeah, give us a style and we'll go with that. We'll, we'll, we'll actually compose you something instead yeah. of just making it up on the fly. And then we'll put that on the bonus content too, which is only for patrons. So check it out. But, you know, for now, uh, go to patreon.com 5050artsproduction. Check it out. But for reals, it's time to read something, I yeah. think. Let's, let's, let's get, get on with the business. episode. All right. All right. So this evening. Oh, my God. I'm going to drink some coffee. This afternoon. This What time is it? It's I don't like even know. It's new. almost it's one o'clock. All right. So this afternoon, uh, this afternoon's book, today's book. This episode's story comes to us uh, courtesy my dear friend and uh, uh, Your friend? former former colleague um, recommended. <laughs> oh, recommended, okay, I was like, wow, this person's old. <laughs> recommended by uh, by one Lorna Howley of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thanks, Lorna. Uh, thank you very much, Lorna. Um, she recommended the story, "The Ransom of Red Chief." By right. by O. Henry. O. Henry. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to make His sure first that... name O? So that's a pen name. O. Henry. <laughs> yeah, The Ransom of Red Chief by O. Henry. All right. So O. Henry was born William Sidney Porter in Greensboro, North Carolina back in 1862. Uh, at the age of 19... Porter, or as he would later become known, O. Henry, became a licensed pharmacist. Ooh, drugs. And while working at the drugstore, he showed off his natural talents for um, art by sketching local townsfolk. Okay. <laughs> then his life story starts getting weird. He got a job working at the First National Bank of Austin as a teller and bookkeeper. Okay. Uh, the bank was operated kind of informally, and apparently Porter was really bad at his jobs at his job because his style of bookkeeping may or may not have led to his embezzling funds from the bank. I mean, that sounds like he was doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1894, he was accused of bank embezzlement oh, and lost his job, but he was not indicted. Oh. Uh, so, lucky. um, his family moved from Austin to Houston in 1895, where he started writing for the post, made a decent amount of money, got ideas for his column by loitering in hotel lobbies and watching people. <laughs> what a creeper. Um, he, so he was a little creepy. <laughs> so he but, was in acting school, basically. So he was in acting That's school. That's what they tell you to do in acting just school. Just watch people. But, Just go sit and stare at people. But while he was living in Houston, federal auditors 
audited the first national bank of Austin and found the embezzlement shortages and indicted him. Wait. And he was arrested. Did he work at that bank? Wait. He worked he worked at the First he, National Bank of Austin. Okay. And then he left moved. and moved to Houston, oh, but federal but auditors federal auditors came and checked out his rep back when he lived in Austin Bullshit. and he was arrested and charged with embezzlement. So he got bailed out of jail and he was supposed to stand trial on July 7th, 1896. Um, but the day before, as he was changing trains to go to the courthouse, he freaked out and ran away to New Orleans <laughs> and then Honduras, oh, where he became, where he became good buddies with Al Jennings, the famous train robber. Oh my God. <laughs> Who is this guy? <laughs> so, uh, another year later in 1897, he learned that his, uh, wife, was dying of tuberculosis. So it's, it's he came because world. it's 1897. <laughs> so he came back to the United States proper to see her and ended up going to jail. He was found guilty of embezzling $854 and eight cents. And which, at sentence, time was, which at the time was a fair amount of money. Amount, I, I haven't that much. I haven't done that research, but yeah. it was a decent amount of money. And was sentenced to five years in prison at the Ohio Penitentiary. He was released after three years for good behavior and reunited with his daughter, who by then was 11 years old, had been staying with her grandparents, and his daughter was never told that her father was in prison. They said he was away on business. Aww, it's like he was on the farm. Okay. Yeah. So, Probably uh, for the best. So it was actually after coming out of prison that his most... Um, like the the bulk of his writing career began, and yes. he started ra- writing his most famous uh, uh, stories. Well, yeah, that's where you get some stories. Um, like, one I've of seen Shawshank. One of the theories behind his pen name O. Henry, uh-huh. because he was in Ohio State Penitentiary, uh, is that it was O H for Ohio, Ohio and ended in R Y, which are the last two letters of penitentiary. Hey, look at that. Um, so anyway, that's that's a little bit about him. Uh, if we come back to another story by him, we'll get more details. He has a glorious mustache. But if you find a picture of him in his 30s, you will note, following theme, he mustache. does have a lovely mustache. Mustache. All right. So uh, I think you feel yes. good about that as yeah, background you, info? Are you going to give me the book? Yes. So I'm going to send you... The book, you should have it in your uh, in your email. It should be All waiting right. there for you. Hey everyone, this is Ken. And Heather. We just wanted to punch in here real quick to let you know that I did go back in after we read this story and do a little editing. We do not pre-screen these stories and occasionally they have language that in 2020 is not exactly politically correct. So if you hear some uh, chunky things happening, that's probably because I'm editing out a not wildly appropriate term for indigenous Americans. Excellent. Let's start this fire. Yay! So the first thing I see on this story is, yes, the title, but above it, it says, reprinted from the 50 funniest American writers, according to Andy Borowitz. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. We might not have to do much. Oh, my gosh. Hopefully the story is funny enough to carry. The Borowitz report approves. All right, so here we go. 
Oh, Henry, the ransom of Red Chief. Oh, we're in Alabama. All right, here we go. No German accent this no time. Ger <laughs> well, you know <laughs> well, what? We don't we'll know see. that. <laughs> it looked like a good thing, but wait till I tell you. <laughs> we were down south in Alabama, Bill Driscoll and myself, when this kidnapping idea struck us. It was, as Bill afterward expressed it, during a moment of temporary mental apparition. <laughs> but we didn't find that out till later. Oh, good. Wait, what? So, so right off the bat, they're acknowledging, all right, so we had this idea. Somebody. We had this idea to kidnap someone. In retrospect, this was a horrible idea. <laughs> But we were down in Alabama and decided we were gonna we were gonna kidnap someone. Yeah, usually kidnapping is a poor choice of life, or at least an illegal one. Yeah, very illegal. Um, there was a town down there as flat as a flannel cake, and <laughs> <laughs> okay, there was a town down there as flat as a flannel cake and called Summit. Of course, it contained inhabitants of as undeleterious and self-satisfied a class of peasantry as ever clustered around a maypole. Wow. Holy crap. He's got that opinions felt, about... That felt judgmental. That was a little judgmental. <laughs> Bill and me had a joint capital of about $600, and we needed just $2,000 more to pull off a fraudulent town lot scheme in western Illinois with. Okay, so <laughs> even his character is going to... Embezzle some money. So they're so th these guys are used to crime. These yeah. guys are used to um, con artistry they're, and they're like uh, Harold Hill, like popping around and embezzling from uh, from these like as doing doing hick towny schemes. Self satisfied class of peasantry <laughs> around their maple. <laughs> we talked it over on the front steps of the hotel. Philipro Oh my God! This word is so long. <laughs> Okay, look it up. Holy mother. Philoprogenitiveness. Yeah, what the Holy F? moly. Well, and I'd like to also point out that it is split between two lines, which I have discussed earlier. <laughs> it makes me furious. It is literally a word with about 20 letters. <laughs> Philoprogenitiveness. Philoprogenitiveness, adjective, producing offspring, especially abundantly, <laughs> prolific of, relating to, or characterized by love for offspring, especially one's own. So Mormons. So they had, so... <laughs> no offense. <laughs> so they had a lot of babies. They had a lot of babies. All right. They really liked having babies. All right. Philip, hey, can you pronounce it again? Philoprogenitiveness. Philoprogenitiveness, says we, is strong in semi-rural communities. Therefore, and yeah, for other is. reasons, well, I mean, what else do they have to do? I mean, let's be real. They drink and have sex <laughs> and make babies. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been places like that. We, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Summer stock. Uh, in rural communities, therefore, and for other reasons, a kidnapping project ought to do better there than in the radius of newspapers that send reporters out in plain clothes to stir up talk about such things. <laughs> Everyone's too worried with their own babies to pay attention to kidnapping. 
We knew that Summit couldn't get after us with anything stronger than constables, and maybe some lackadaisical bloodhounds and a diatribe or two of the weekly farmer's budget. <laughs> so it looked good. Oh, no. We selected our victim. Oh, my God. They're going to... We selected our victim, the only child of a prominent citizen named Ebenezer Dorset. Why are they going to... this? Okay, so they just said that all these people have way too many kids, and they pick one person that only has one kid, and they're going to kidnap that one? Right. Rude. Because No, because, and they picked a prominent citizen. They figure only child, lots of money. This uh, guy's going to yeah, pay a lot. They're going to pay up. That's true. The father was a respectable, was respectable and tight. A mortgage financer and a stern, upright, collectible passer and forecloser. The kid was a boy of ten with bass relief freckles, the hair the color of the cover of a magazine you buy at the newsstand when you want to catch a train. Bill and me figured that Ebenezer would melt down for a ransom of $2,000 to a cent. But wait till I tell you. <laughs> no. About two miles from Summit was a little mountain covered with a dense cedar break. On the rear elevation of this mountain was a cave. There we stored provisions. <laughs> One evening after sundown, we drove in a buggy past old Dorset's house. The kid was in the street throwing rocks at a kitten on the opposite fence. <laughs> okay, so this kid sucks. This kid's a nightmare. This kid's All right. an asshole. All right. Hey, little boy, said Bill. Would you like to have a bag of candy and a nice ride? That is when you say absolutely not, stranger danger, run away. This predates stranger danger. This is what caused stranger danger, because that's exactly what they tell you is someone's going to offer you is candy and a ride. Hey, little kid, you like a bag of candy? Just say no and scream stranger danger. Stop. Oh, my God. The boy catches Bill neatly in the eye with a piece of brick. <laughs> Oh, shit, he just threw a brick at him. I mean, also, don't, if you're not going to yell stranger danger, throw a just, brick at him. throw them. a brick. <laughs> that will cost the old man an extra $500, said Bill, climbing over the wheel. That boy put up a fight like a welterweight cinnamon bear. <laughs> but at last, we got him down in the bottom of the buggy and drove away. We took him up to the cave, and I hitched the horse in the cedar brake. After dark, I drove the buggy to the little village three miles away where we had hired it and walked back to the mountain. <laughs> they were kidnapped this kid that they threw a brick at this, them. This little, this little ginger kid threw a brick at them and fought like hell, yeah. but they finally managed to drag him out to a cave. And now they're in a cave in a mountain. Bill was passing court plaster over the scratches. In my head, this is Opie. Oh, absolutely. This is young... Uh, this is Ron um, Howard. Ron, young Ron Howard, okay, for great. sure. So long as we've cast it for sure. appropriately. This is, this is Lil Ron Howard. And you know just, he's going to win. <laughs> Lil Ron Howard just threw a brick at... Um, These assholes. Yeah, I like, haven't decided who they are yet. I, I kind of see them, but I'm waiting for a little mm. more description. Bill was pasting court plaster over the scratches and bruises on his features. <laughs> there was a... Fire burning behind the big rock at the entrance of the cave, and the boy was watching a pot of boiling coffee with two buzzard tail feathers stuck in his red hair. He points a stick at me when I come up and says, Ha! Cursed pale face, do you dare to enter the camp, O oh red chief, the terror of the plains? 
Oh, this kid's playing like cowboys and Indians, Native Americans, indigenous Americans. All right. He's all right now, says Bill, rolling up his trousers and examining some bruises on his shins. Wow, this kid kicked the shit out of him. I love it. We're making Buffalo Bill's show look like a magic lantern view of Palestine in the town hall. <laughs> I'm old Hank, the trapper, Red Chief's captive, and I'm to be scalped at daybreak by Geronimo. That kid can kick hard. <laughs> so they're playing along with this kid. All right. I mean, I guess keep him happy. I mean, all you all you want is the money from his dad. Yeah. It's best if he's, you know, unharmed. Yes, sir. That boy seemed to be having the time of his life. The fun of camping out in a cave had made him forget that he was a captive himself. <laughs> he immediately christened me Snake Eye the Spy and announced that when his braves returned from the warpath, I was to be broiled at the stake at the rising <laughs> of the sun. <laughs> So this kid, this kid kicked the shit out of them after throwing rocks at kittens, and now he's playing yeah. with his captors because he's camping. It's yep. like he's camping. Okay. So he's got perspective down. Then we had supper, and he filled his mouth full of bacon and bread and gravy and began to talk. He had a during dinner speech something like this. <laughs> okay, so now I'm imagining him shoving bacon and bread in his mouth. I like this fine. I never camped out before, but I had a pet possum once. <laughs> and I was nine last birthday. I hate to go to school. Rats ate up 16 of Jimmy Talbot's and speckled hens. I want some more gravy. Does the trees move and make the wind blow? We have five puppies. Oh my God, this kid has super ADHD. <laughs> We're not even close to done. We are not even close to done. Does the trees move make blue? We had five puppies. What makes your nose so red, Hank? My father has lots of money. Are the stars hot? I whipped Ed Walker twice Saturday. I don't like girls. You dasset catch toads unless with a string. Do do oxen make any noise? Why are oranges round? Have you got beds to sleep in in this cave? Amos Murray, he got six toes. A parrot can talk, but a monkey or a fish can't. How many does it take to make 12? something okay. you know, or like early 1900s i'm so sorry everybody <laughs> and pick up his stick rifle and tiptoe to the mouth of the cave to rubber for the scouts of the hated pale face i mean that's real white people suck <laughs> now and then he would let our war whop 
that made old Hank the Trapper shiver. That boy had Bill terrorized from the start. <laughs> Red Chief, I said to the kid, would you like to go home? Ah, what for, he says. I don't have any fun at home. I hate to go to school. I like to camp out. You won't take me back home again, Snake Eye, will you? Not right away, says I. We'll stay here in the cave a while. Uh-oh. All right, he said. That'll be fine. I never had such fun in all my life. <laughs> we went to bed around 11 o'clock. We spread down some wide blankets and quilts and put Red Chief between us, a.k.a. Little Boy. We weren't, we weren't afraid he'd run away. He kept us awake for three hours, jumping up and reaching for his rifle and screeching, Sst, bird, in mine and Bill's ears as the fancied crackle of a twig or the rustle of a leaf revealed to his young imagination the stealthy approach of the outlaw band. At last, I fell into a troubled sleep and dreamed that I'd been kidnapped and chained to a tree by a ferocious pirate with red hair. <laughs> Awesome. So me. <laughs> Though right now I have purple hair. So <laughs> Just at daybreak, I was awakened by a series of awful screams from Bill. They weren't yells or howls or shouts or whoops or yawps such as you'd expect from a manly set of vocal organs. They were simply indecent, terrifying, and humiliating screams. Such a woman would admit when they see ghosts or caterpillars. <laughs> Why are ghosts and caterpillars in the same category? I mean, they are essentially the same thing if you what think about it. A ghost and a caterpillar, it's basically, uh, well, I suppose they're more like they're opposites, right? Because a ghost is what you get after, um, someone. after someone dies. A caterpillar is what you get before a butterfly lives. <laughs> So a caterpillar and a ghost oh. are literally just two sides of the same uh, oh, yeah. undead scary coin. You heard it here first, y'all. Ghosts and caterpillars are They're basically the same thing. The same thing, but opposite. Yeah. And women yelp, apparently, when they see them. <laughs> it's an awful thing to hear a strong, desperate, fat man scream incontinently. Incontinently, yeah. Incontinently, that's the word. Yeah. Uh, fat man screaming incontinently in a cave at daybreak. I think I've decided who these two people are. Okay. I think from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, yeah. It's it's George Clooney and uh, um, John... John Goodman? Goodman. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's John Goodman and George, Clooney, George Clooney from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? In their Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, like... In those is those characters, oh, and they just they've just kidnapped Opie. They just kidnapped baby Ron Howard. <laughs> yeah. All right, I like it. Um, there's a visual for everybody. If you had a different one, stick with it. If you'd like to look at George <laughs> Clooney like me, then I'm gonna envision that. <laughs> um, no offense, John Goodman, you're very cute. Um, where was I? <laughs> I jumped up to see what the matter was. Red Chief was sitting on Bill's chest with one hand twined in Bill's hair. In the other, he had the sharp case knife we used for slicing bacon. And he was industriously and realistically trying to take Bill's scalp. Jesus. According to the sentence that had been pronounced upon him the evening before. <laughs> oh my God, this child. 
child's the devil. This kid takes role play a little too far. I love they him. They really should have agreed on a safe word. This also reminds me of that movie Dennis the Menace. <laughs> where, with, uh, uh... With, um... um yeah, um... With Doc, Doc Brown, um, what's the actor's name? Because he plays, like, the bad guy who... Ki- is Christopher Lloyd Christopher in Dennis Lloyd. the Menace? Yeah. He's the bad guy that kidnaps Dennis oh, and was, Walter Matthau I was is, trying to think of Walter Matthau. Walter Matthau is yes. Mr. Wilson. But, yeah, uh, Christopher Lloyd's, like, the, the like, vagrant, like, the, yeah. like train bum that, the like, comes and, like, kidnaps him. And then Dennis <laughs> the Menace kicks his ass. So maybe that was inspiration. He's based on this, yeah. Pretty much. So, um, I got the knife away from the kid and made him lie down again. But from that moment, Bill's spirit was broken. (laughs) He laid down on his side of the bed, but he never closed an eye again in sleep as long as that boy was with us. (laughs) I dozed off for a while, but along towards sunup, I remembered that Red Chief had said I was to be burned at the stake at the rising of the sun. I wasn't nervous or afraid, but... I sat up and lit my pipe and leaned against a rock. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. This is hilarious. What are you getting up so soon for, Sam? Asked Bill. Me, I say? Oh, I got a kind of pain in my shoulder. I thought sitting up would rest it. (laughs) You're a liar, said Bill. You're afraid. You was to be burned at sunrise and you was afraid he'd do it. And he would, too, if he could find a match. Ain't it awful, Sam? Do you think anybody will pay out money for a little imp like that back home? <laughs> sure, I said. A rowdy kid like that is just the kind the parents dote on. Now you and the chief get up and cook breakfast while I go to the top of the mountain and rick... Is this a fancy word for pee? Reconnoiter. No, it's, uh, it's <laughs> like, it's, it's, um, uh, recon, um, reconnaissance, uh, to oh, check, check, check oh, out, check I'm out gonna, the area I'm gonna go ahead and look out the, look up the it's actual definition. R-E-C-O-N-N-O-I-T-R-E. Yeah. Make a military observation of Ooh. a region. Reconnoiter. Yeah. All right. There's a word of the day. Um, I thought it meant and go pee. <laughs> Realistically, that's probably what probably, he's doing. Probably both. He's like, I'm gonna go check out the area. Also, I gotta drop a deuce. <laughs> like, we had does bacon bear, and beans last does night. Does a bear shit in the woods? Yep, and so do I. He reconnoiters all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I went up to the peak of the little mountain and ran my eye over the continuous vicinity. Over towards Summit, I expected to see the sturdy yellow manry of the village armed with scents and pitchforks beating the county side for the dastardly kidnappers. But what I saw was a peaceful landscape dotted with one man plowing with a dun mole. Mule. Dun mole. <laughs> Can you I just imagine some guy plowing his field with a mole? Strapped to a wagon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pulling up a picture of, of a mole. Oh, I type in mole, and the first animal rat. is a naked mole rat. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> this tiny little naked mole. Oh my rat god! I want strapped him. To a plow. If I had a field, that's what would plow my field. <laughs> Just, it'd have to be a really small plow. It'd be very tiny. <laughs> I wonder what you're planting if you're digging up your field with, with a naked mole with rat. With a naked mole rat. Gotta be like, 
I mean, it's got to be little things like like cherry tomatoes. Cherry tomatoes, <laughs> or what? I don't know. I mean, I suppose everything's little when it's seeds. Yeah. So maybe it's just churning the churning the soil. Yeah. You want a whole. You want a whole. What you'd really want, you wouldn't want to do it with one. You'd want a whole team. Oh my god! Of like mole a, rats, like a sled dog like a, race, like a sled but dog it's naked team. Naked mole rat. But it's naked mole rats <laughs> pulling your pulling your plow. Jesus. That was an unfortunate. Uh, and you probably mistake. you probably don't even need to whip them. You just like what do they eat? Like oh, carrots and stuff. Carrots, I assume. I don't know. I don't know. But you, know you do you do the carrot on a stick thing. Yeah. And they just which they also do with mules. <sighs> Speaking of a done mule, <laughs> nobody was crack was dragging the creek. No couriers dashed hither and yon, bringing tidings of no news to the distracted parents. There was a sylvan attitude of somnolent sleepiness pervading that section of the external outward surface of Alabama that lay exposed to my view. That was a hell of a sentence. Basically, no one gave a shit. No one gave a shit. That was a lot of big words that basically everyone was just living their life. Perhaps, I said to myself, it has not yet been discovered that the wolves have borne away the tender lambkin from the fold. Heaven help the wolves, says I. And I went down the mountain to breakfast. These aren't, yeah, these are definitely not the smartest guys. <laughs> when I got to the cave, I found Bill backed up against the side of it, breathing hard, and the boy threatening to smash him with a rock half as big as a coconut. <laughs> he put a hot red bull and potato down my back, explained Bill. <laughs> And then mashed it with his foot, and I boxed his ears. Have you got a gun about you, Sam? I took the rock away from the boy and kind of patched up the argument. I'll fix you, says the... I'll fix you, says the kid to Bill. No man ever yet struck the Red Chief, but what he got paid for it, you better beware. After breakfast, the kid takes a piece of leather with strings wrapped around it out of his pocket and goes outside the cave unwinding it. But what's he up to now, says Bill anxiously. You don't think he'll run away, do you, Sam? No fear of it, I said. He don't seem to be much of a homebody, but we've got to fix up some plan about ransom. Oh shit, I just changed my mind. This is home alone. He's about to go around setting traps. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're gonna go set trip wires and shit. Oh yeah, this is the home alone guys. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, uh, he don't mean much of a homebody, but we gotta fix up some plan about Ransom. There don't seem to be much excitement around Summit on account of his disappearance, but maybe they haven't realized he's gone yet. His folks may think he's spending the night at Aunt Jane or one of our neighbors. Anyhow, he'll be missed today. Tonight, he must. we must get the message to his father demanding the $2,000 for his return. Well, yeah, that's the, kind of the whole point. They should have left a note in the first frickin' place. <laughs> well, they wanted to give time for Dad to start freaking out a little bit. That's true. That's true. Just then, we heard a kind of war whoop, such as David might have admitted when he knocked out the champion Goliath. <laughs> it was a sling that Red Chief had pulled out of his pocket, and he was whirling it around his head. I dodged and heard a heavy thud of a kind of sigh from Bill, like a horse gives <laughs> out when he, you take his saddle off. A rock the size of an egg had caught Bill just behind his left ear. 
He loosened himself all over and fell in the fire across the frying pan of hot water for washing dishes. (laughs) Oh, God. I dragged him out and poured cold water on his head for half an hour. By and by, Bill sits up and feels behind his ears and says, Sam, do you know who my favorite biblical character is? (laughs) Take it easy, says I. You'll come to your senses presently. King Herod, says he, you won't go away and leave me all alone, will you, Sam? <laughs> I went out and caught that boy and shook him until his freckles rattled. <laughs> this kid is kicking their ass. I love it. Why haven't they just tied him up and stuffed him in the corner? Or just been like, get the fuck out of here, kid. <laughs> if you don't behave, says I, I'll take you straight home. Now, are you going to be good or not? I was only funning, he said sullied. I didn't mean to hurt old Hank, but what did he hit me for? I'll behave, Snake Eye, if you won't send me home, and if you let me play the Black Scout today. I don't know the game, says I. That's for you and Mr. Bill to decide. He's your playmate. Oh, Sam's an asshole. He goes, (laughs) go play with Bill. You've already terrified him. That's for you and Mr. Bill to decide. He's your playmate for the day. I'm going away a while on business. Now you come in and make friends with him and say you are sorry for hurting him or go home at once. I made him and Bill shake hands and then I took Bill aside and told him I was going to Poplar Cove, a little village three miles from the cave, to find out what I could about the kidnapping and had been regarded in Summit. Also, I thought it best to stay a prematory... letter like a a kidnapping letter to send a peremptory letter oh peremptory like and like get the ball rolling yeah letter to old man dorset that day demanding the ransom and dictating how it should be paid you know sam says bill i've stood by without batting an eye and earthquakes fire and flood and poker games dynamite outrages police raids train robberies and cyclones i never lost my nerve till we kidnapped that two-legged skyrocket of a kid (laughs) he's got me going you won't leave me alone with him will you sam i'll be back sometime this afternoon says i You must keep that boy amused and quiet till I return, and now we'll write the letter to old Dorset. Bill and I got paper and pencil and worked on the letter while Red Chief, with a blanket wrapped around him, strutted up and down, guarding the mouth of the cave. Bill begged me tearfully to make the ransom $1,500 instead of $2,000. I ain't attempting, says he, to decry the celebrated moral aspect of parental affection, but we are dealing with humans, and it ain't human for anybody to give up $2,000 for that 40-pound <laughs> chunk of freckled wildcat. <laughs> I'm willing to take a chance at $1,500. You can charge the difference up to me. So, to relieve Bill, I seated, and we collaborated a letter that ran this way. Ebenezer Dorset Esquire. We have your boy concealed in a place far from Summit. It is useless for you or your most skillful detectives to attempt to find him. Absolutely, the only terms on which you can have him restored to you are these. 
We demand $1,500 in large bills for his return. The money is to be left at midnight tonight at the same spot in the same box as your reply, as here and after described. If you agree to these terms, send your answer in writing by solitary messenger tonight at half past eight o'clock. After crossing Owl Creek on the road of Poplar Cove, there are three large trees about a hundred yards apart, close to a fence in the wheat field on the right side. Well, that's clear. At the bottom of the fence post opposite the third tree will be found a small pasteboard box. The messenger will place the answer in this box and return immediately to Summit. If you attempt any treachery or fail to comply with our demands as stated, you will never see your boy again. If you paid the money as demanded, he will be turned to you safe and well within three hours. These terms are final, and if you do not accede to them, no further communication will be attempted. Signed, Two Desperate Men. <laughs> That's not the most, uh, uh, scary signing. Two. Well... They could. They they're could be going. Two, like, two we'll desperate men will will do will do something yeah. crazy if you don't. That's true. But since we know how they've been treated by this child, yeah. it's more it like definitely oh my has, god. It definitely please. has a double meaning. <laughs> it's like oh my god, please take your kid back. I addressed the letter to Dorset and put it in my pocket. As I was about to start, the kid comes up and says to me, "Oh, Snake Eye, you said I could play the Black Scout while you was gone." Well, play it, of course, says I. Mr. Bill will play with you. What kind of game is it? I'm the Black Scout, says Red Chief, and I have to ride to the stockade to warn the settlers that the indigenous Americans are coming. I'm tired of playing the indigenous American myself. I want to be the scout. All right, says I. It sounds harmless to me. I guess Mr. Bill will help you foil the pesky Native Americans who own this land. What am I to do, says Bill, looking, that was my new interpretation. I like it. We'll go back, we'll go back and edit in a disclaimer. Yes, please. What am I to do, says Bill, looking at the kid suspiciously. You are the hoss, said Black Scout. Get down on your hands and knees. How can I ride to the stockade without a house? Oh, it's... Horse. He's spelled H-O-S-S. Without a house. You're the horse. The horse. You better keep him interested, said I, till I get this scheme going. Loosen up. Bill gets down on all fours and looks, and a look comes in his eye like a rabbit when you catch it in a trap. How far is it to the stockade, kid, he says in a husky manner of a voice. Ninety miles, said the Black Scout, and you have to hump yourself to get there on time. Gosh, I hate when I have to hump myself 90 miles. That's, that's a rough Ooh. day. Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a long way to hump yourself. It is a long day of humping yourself. <laughs> Woo, now! Bring a banana. Yeah, you're going to need some, some, uh, potassium. some potassium. The Black Scout jumps on Bill's back and digs his heel in his socks. <laughs> For heaven's sake, says Bill, hurry back, Sam, as soon as you can. I wish I hadn't made the ransom more than a thousand. Say, you quit kicking me or I'll come up there and warm you good. <laughs> and then Sam's like, peace out. I walked over to Poplar Cove and sat across the post office and store talking with the chaw bacons that came in to trade. One whiskerando said that he hears Summit is all upset on account of Elder Ebenezer Dorset's boy having been lost or stolen. That was all I wanted to know. 
I bought some smoking tobacco, referred casually to the price of the black eyed peas. <laughs> they had a new Tonight album. Gonna have a good time. No, nah, they they had just they had just dropped a new album, but uh, couldn't manage to get it get it selling. Yeah, uh, the price of the Black Eyed Peas album was too high. I posted my letter serendipitously, serendipitous, serendipitous, surreptitiously, surreptitiously, and came away. I'm good. My tongue works. <laughs> the postmaster said the mail carrier would come back in an hour and take the mail to Summit. When I got back to the cave, Bill and the boy were not to be found. Uh-oh. I explored the vicinity of the cave and risked a yodel or two, but there was no response. So I lighted my pipe and sat down on a mossy bank to await developments. It was about an hour and a half and I heard the bushes rustle and Bill wobbled into the little glade in front of the cave. Behind him was the kid, stepping softly like a scout with a broad grin on his face. Bill stopped, took off his hat, and wiped his face with a red handkerchief. The kid stopped about eight feet behind him. Sam, says Bill, I suppose you think I'm a renegade, but I couldn't help it. I'm a grown person with masculine proclivities and habits of self-defense, and there is a time when all systems of egotism and predominance fail. The boy is gone. I have sent him home. All is off. There are martyrs in old times goes on Bill, that suffer death rather than give up the particularly graft they enjoy. None of them ever was subjugated to such supernatural tortures as I have been. I tried to be faithful to our articles of depredation, but there came a limit. (laughs) What's the trouble, Bill? I asked him. I was road, says Bill, the 90 miles to the stockade, not bearing an inch. Then when the settlers was rescued, I was given oats. Sand ain't a palpable substitute. And then for an hour, I had to try to explain to him that there was nothing in holes, how a road can run both ways, and what makes the grass green. (laughs) I tell you, Sam, a human can only stand so much. It takes him by the neck of his clothes and drags him down a mountain and on the other way he kicks my legs black and blue from the knees down and I've got to have two or three bites on my thumb and hand cauterized. (laughs) But he's gone, continues Bill. Gone home. I showed him the road to Summit and I kicked him about eight feet nearer than one kick. (laughs) I'm sorry we lost the ransom, but it was either that or Bill Driscoll to the madhouse. Bill is puffing and blowing, and there, it, but there is a look of ineffable peace and growing content in his rose pink features. Bill says, "I, there isn't any heart disease in your family, is there?" <laughs> no, says Bill. Nothing chronic except malaria and accidents. <laughs> <laughs> I love that accidents are chronic in this family. It's a, accidents can be chronic and often a terminal disease. That's very true. Uh, no, says Bill. Nothing chronic except malaria and accidents. Why? Then you might turn around, says I, and have a look behind you. <laughs> Bill turns to see the boy and loses his complexion and sits down plump on the ground and begins to pluck aimlessly at grass and little sticks. For an hour, I was afraid for his mind. 
<laughs> and then I told him that my scheme was to put the whole job through immediately, that we would get the ransom and be off of it by midnight if old Dorset fell into our proposition. So Bill braced up enough to give the kid a weak sort of smile and a promise to play the Russians in a Japanese war with him. It's, we're just we're just hitting all of the like racial stereotypes from the 1890s. Oh no. As soon as he felt a little better. I had a scheme for collecting that ransom without danger being caught by counterplots that ought to be commended which ought to commend itself to professional kidnappers. The tree under which the answer was to be left, the money later on, was close to the road fence with a big bare field on all sides. If a gang of constables should be watching for anyone to come for the note, they would they could see a long off-crossing of the fields in the road. But no siree! At half past eight, I was up in that tree as well hidden as a tree toad waiting for the messenger to arrive. <laughs> Exactly on time, a half-grown boy rides up to the road on a bicycle, locates the paste box at the foot of the fence, slips the folded piece of paper into it, and pedals away back towards Summit. I waited an hour, and then concluded the thing was square. I slid down the tree, got the note, slipped along the fence till I struck the woods, and then back in that cave in another half hour. I opened the note, got near the lantern, and read it to Bill. It was written with a pen in a crabbed hand, and the sum of the substance was this. I'm so nervous. Oh, no. Two desperate men. Gentlemen, I received your letter today by post in regard to the ransom you asked for the return of my son. I think you are a little high in your demands, and I hereby make you a counter-proposition, which I am inclined to believe you will accept. You bring Johnny home and pay me $250 in cash, and I'll agree to take him off your hands. <laughs> you better come at night, for the neighbors believe he is lost, and I couldn't be responsible for what they would do if they saw anybody bringing him back. Very respectfully, Ebenezer Dorset. <laughs> Great pirates of Penzance, says I. <laughs> oh, good. He's a Gilbert and Sullivan fan. Gilbert and Sullivan fan. <laughs> yes. All he ever wanted was to be the pirate king. Aww. And then they kidnapped this boy and everything went bad. <laughs> then he had to be a horse. Great. Eating sand instead of oats. Great, great pirates of Penzance, says I, of all the impudent. But I glanced at Bill and hesitated. He had the most appealing look in his eyes that I ever saw on the face of a dumb or talking brute. <laughs> Sam, says he, what's $250 after all? We got the money. <laughs> One more night of this kid will send me to a bed in Bedlam. Besides being a thorough gentleman, I think Mr. Dorset is a spendthrift for making us such a liberal offer. <laughs> you ain't gonna let the chance go, are ya? To tell the truth, Bill, says I, this little he, you, lamb has somewhat gotten on my nerves, too. We'll take him home, pay the ransom, and get on our way. <laughs> we took him home that night. We got him to go by telling him that his father had bought a silver-mounted rifle and a pair of moccasins for him. <laughs> and then we were going to hunt bears the next day. <laughs> it was just 12 o'clock. 
when we knocked on Ebenezer's front door. Just the moment when I should have been abstracting a $1,500 from the box under the tree, according to the original proposition, Bill was counting out $250 into Dorset's <laughs> hands. When the kid found out we were going to leave him at home, he started up a howl like a calliope and fastened himself as tight as a leech to Bill's leg. <laughs> His father peeled him away gradually like a porous plaster. <laughs> How long can you hold him, says Bill. I'm not as strong as I used to be, said old Dorset, but I think I can promise you ten minutes. <laughs> Enough, says Bill. In ten minutes I shall cross central, southern, and middle western states and be legged in Tripoli for the Canadian border. <laughs> and as dark as I was... And as fat as Bill was, and as good as a runner I am, he was a good mile and a half out of Summit before I could catch up with him. <laughs> and that is the end of that story. Called, oh, my Lord. That is The Ransom of Red by O. Henry. Oof. Wow. That child... Has, that has to be the like inspiration for Dennis the Menace or something. Dennis the Menace and like and, I stand I stand by possibly and Home, Alone. Home Alone. Yeah, Kevin oh, McAllister. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. That was funny. That was good stuff. <laughs> that was not what I expected. That was not a scary <laughs> story. That was a funny story. Oh my god, that kid, that monologue. Oh my god, I want to go back. I gotta wait just a sec. <laughs> So, um, who suggested that again? Uh, that was, that was thanks to Lorna Howley. Lorna Howley. Thank yep. you. That was She ridiculous. recommended that on Facebook. So if you have any stories, if you're sitting there listening on, you know what? I kind of want to hear my favorite story read out loud. <laughs> uh, you should, you should send it our way. You can send it to 5050artsproduction at gmail.com. Or uh, track us down on Facebook or Instagram if you look for 5050, an arts production company. Uh, we're pretty easy to find. Yeah, find us. And uh, just remember, I like this fine. I never camped out before, but I had a pet possum once and I was nine last birthday. I hate to go to school. Rats are up 16 Jimmy Talbots. <laughs> <I can't. laughs> that was a valiant effort. That child. That was a good try. That is my new monologue. I swear. That just rant of random shit. Anyone who has children, especially during this pandemic, if you're listening to this now, you probably heavily relate to this in a way I, I would like to I would like to make you an offer <laughs> if you have a child during during this pandemic I, assuming you're listening to this during the pandemic and not you know six years from now after we've become wildly famous if you have a child yeah. during this pandemic and they are driving you absolutely bonkers <laughs> you should read them the for, story f- no for a ransom of uh, $2,000, I will come kidnap them for you. <laughs> Reach for $2,000, we will drive to where you are and we will like go hang out in a cave for a day and Reach, then we'll end up paying you $250 to back. Reach out at uh, uh, 5050artsproduction at gmail.com and we can arrange the kidnapping of your child. <laughs> and by kidnapping, we mean babysitting. <laughs> 
I'm well, not sure if you want to stay on, I mean, the, on the windy we'll, side of the law. We'll tell the child they're kidnapped, but you'll know that we're just like, it's all been arranged because you need a couple hours to yourself. Mm. <laughs> I can only imagine. Well, that was it. All right. I'm exhausted. That, so that was that one. That had a lot of energy, but there was no German dialect. There was there were no German dialects. It was very southern, which I used to, I was born in North Carolina and I grew up in Florida, Alabama, and Georgia. So that just like came back. <laughs> I even got to use my plantation southern with daddy. With daddy. That was nice. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed episode seven and uh, follow us on uh, whatever device you're listening to us on and uh, tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your enemies. Tell strangers on the street. Campfire Classics. Do it. Um, <laughs> Do it with this accent, too, because I can't get out of it now. <laughs> the rest of the day is just going to be me talking like this. <laughs> uh, once again, thank you to our patrons. You guys are rock stars. Amazing. Um, uh... Go sign up. First 20 founding patrons, man. It would mean a lot to us. Helps us, you know, keep making things. Helps out. It'd be real cool. Uh, real yeah. cool. Get some stickers. Get some magnets. Yeah. I had a pet possum once. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, this has been Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. <laughs> I'm going to ride you 90 miles. <laughs> See you next time. Bye.